Ladies and gentlemen, it is upon us. The regular season of college basketball is right around the corner. I am Jason Evans, and welcome to, I think, oh, shoot, I don't even know. What is this? Is this the 56th, 57th, 59th? I don't know. Guys, help me out. What edition of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is this? 60. 60? Number 60. This is our 60th podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are all ready for the preseason is done. We're ready for Duke basketball to get started. Um, uh, I am joined, as I always am, by my partners in crime. First of all, in Washington, D.C., Donald Wine. Say hello to the masses. Hello to the masses. Thank you very much, sir. And in Denver, Colorado, Sam Klein. Hello. I am, I am just uh, beginning to recover from having to eat Halloween candy all week. Um, so if I if I die of some horrible like diabetes death or something next week, you'll know why. Sugar coma. Sugar comas are good things. They are a lot of fun until they're bad. Until, <laughs> until they're bad. Uh, so uh, we're going to get started this week by reflecting on some preseason stuff as we get ready for the regular season. And preseason stuff must mean an exhibition in which Duke um, beat the the snot out of poor Augustana. Um, if I told you that Duke was going to be really sloppy on offense, that we were going to shoot really poorly, but we we're still going to win by like 60 points, you would probably not be that surprised because that's what these exhibitions are all about. Um, actually, it wasn't 60 points. We only doubled them. Final score was 98 to 45 as the Blue Devils took care of Augustana over the weekend. Um, and, and Sam, let me start with you. Tell me, uh, you know, are there any takeaways? Are there any things that you see in these exhibition games that you think is worth noting? Yes. This might have been the dumbest exhibition game we've ever seen Duke play. And, and for a number of reasons. One, uh, Augustana didn't have any especially big players. So getting rebounds um, was, was like almost a joke for this, for this Duke team. Um, they so, they so won the rebound. Are you saying? On the rebounding margin, on the rebounding margin, 59 to 26. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say, are you, are you saying you don't expect Duke to more than double the rebounding total of our opponents all year? <laughs> I do. I do. No, I, I, I do. And, 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 um, so that was, that was kind of the first item. And, and I know that this happens every year, that we'll have big guys. So Chase Jeter would be the example of this guy this year. A big guy who's on the younger side, who hasn't produced much, and he comes in and he like, gets a whole bunch of rebounds. So he had 12 rebounds yesterday. Um, and I think we, we may finally be turning a corner on the internet discussion as far as people not getting that excited about young, unproven player having large rebound total against team full of six, four guys. Um, so, so let's temper all the expectations about Chase Jeter. He got 12 rebounds against Augustana. Um, and then on top of that, uh, we had three, uh, presumably very key players for this team, Marquise Bolden, uh, Jason Tatum and Harry Giles, all not playing yesterday, um, or, uh, on Friday night rather. So, uh, as far as being able to like see the way the offense works and, and see, you know, how we match up against, against other teams. We're missing a lot of that um, in this game. We're missing a lot of size really. Uh, and we still, I mean, right. So we're missing three of the biggest guys on the team. We still out rebounded them by more than double. Um, I think that it would have been really, really great to see everybody on the team um, playing in these exhibition games. Obviously that wasn't going to happen. And, um, we're not sure exactly how much longer Tatum and Giles are going to be out. I know that Kay said that Tatum will be back for uh, the actual opening game later this week. But uh, outside of that, you know, I, I think that the I think the tough thing that we saw was that there isn't there isn't really a point guard on this team. Um, Frank Jackson did it a little bit. Uh, he didn't turn the ball over at all. But um, the sort of the, the way that he handles himself and the way that he handles the ball coming up the court, you can see that that's going to be a concern for this Duke team. Not that they're going to have trouble scoring, but maybe that they're going to have trouble getting the ball to the right places. And you worry about maybe Grayson Allen being too aggressive going to the hole, because which is what he was doing all night against Augustana. Uh, Augustana. Um, it was fine, but I, I just wanted I want to see what the offense looks like with with everybody back on the team. Um, so it's it was a little bit of a waste for me. I think I'd said to you guys uh, when we were planning this that I'm, I just felt dumb watching this game because I, I didn't think it. It showed us much of anything. Um, it was fun again to see Emil Jefferson bring the ball up the court, and I really hope that that's not the solution that we come to as far as uh, as far as initiating the offense. Uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, you mentioned that um, Kay expects Tatum to be back for the Marist game. He said that Giles should play. 
Harry Giles should be back by the end of the month. Um, that Harry Giles has started doing five on zero drills, which basically means he's part of a the five man team running through the offense, but there's no defense there. Um, but good to hear that he expects Giles to be back by the end of the month. I, I I personally think that we'll see Giles for the Michigan State game, which is November 29th, I believe is the date. Um, I think that'd be a, a great time for Giles to make his return, although Michigan State, very physical team. I don't know if that's the way you want to begin your college career, but anyway, um, uh, l- let, let me ask really quick. Donald, I'll put this question to you, and I know we sort of said, oh, wait, do we want to speculate about this? Well, screw it. Everyone else is speculating about it. I'm going to speculate about it. Um, Donald, do you think that uh, Bolden really was rested because he just had a tough week of practice, or do you think there was some double secret probation going on there? <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, I have no idea. Um, I, I found out late last night the reason that, or, or like rumors about why he uh, he was not playing the on Friday night. Uh, I honestly have no idea. Um, if if it was some double secret probation, then it's good to get that out now so that they, you know, the entire team. It's a message to the entire team that hey, if you screw up, you're gonna be you're gonna be on the bench or you're gonna be out for uh, you know a while. So. Um, and it's good to temper that whatever whatever it may have been uh, before uh, the season starts. If it is something where they're just being rested or, or something like that, I'm fine with that too. Um, this, like like you guys said, this is a game that uh, I'm not worried about seeing everybody play. Um, you know, 40 minutes. I want our guys to be rested uh, for the start of the season. Which on Friday, I mean, if you think about it, we come Friday, we got two games in a row, and then we have Kansas the following Tuesday. So uh, you really get baptism by fire. Um, and if it means that we have to rest some of these guys or if some of these guys need to learn, uh, get a message that this is how we play basketball and this is how we do things the right way, uh, whichever way it was, uh, I'm fine with it. I'm just frantically waiting for the Chronicle to come out with a poorly sourced story um, telling us about why he was uh, why he was not playing last night or on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'll, like, I'll say like that to Rashid Suleiman, in case you didn't catch that reference. Yes, yes. I'll I'll say that while I. Uh, well, I think there may have been something going on there. Um, uh, you know, maybe maybe missed a class, maybe you know wasn't paying attention in a meeting. Who knows what? Coach K clearly wanted to keep it private. Um, I'm fine with Coach K keeping it private. Uh, you know, they're, they're, the, these kids are under so much of a microscope at such a young age. Um, I, you know, if Coach K thinks it was better for for Mr. Bolden to not play this game, um, I'm not going to argue with the Hall of Fame greatest coach of all time. So I'm fine with it. What the heck? And it doesn't really matter. The game. The Duke was going to win by Duke was going to double Augustana whether Bolden played or not. Um, and in fact, Bolden probably learns a heck of a lot more playing really hard in practice against Emil Jefferson and some of the other Duke big men than he does playing against the the dwarfs that were playing for Augustana. I don't say that to insult Augustana. They are what they are. Um, so guys, let's uh, let's. Oh, uh, you know what? Actually, before we move on, I just wanted to say one thing um, that that troubled me a little bit about this game uh, and, and both exhibition games. Um, uh, Duke's assist to turnover ratio. Uh, in this game, we had 14 assists, 15 turnovers. The previous exhibition game, I want to say we had 16 assists and 15 turnovers. I think that was the number. In any event, our assist to turnover ratio was one assist per turnover in our two exhibition games. Now, that was not playing against teams that are capable of pressing Duke, capable of, um, uh, you know, of being athletically, physically as quick as Duke. Um, and, and I'm very concerned about the turnovers. We were, we were really sloppy. In this game, we were really sloppy in the last exhibition game. Um, we've got two easy opponents coming up, and we'll talk more about them in just a little bit. But uh, if you want a warning sign for the season, keep an eye on those turnovers. If Duke is hitting 13, 15, 16 turnovers a game regularly against good opponents, we're going to be in some trouble. We're going to struggle. We're, you know, that, That's something that I'm bothered by. And if we have an Achilles heel... It is not having a natural point guard to control things, to get things started, and to keep the turnovers down. So um, that's the one thing that I saw from these two exhibition games that mattered. Not that anything mattered much at all. We're going to move on. Um, We're going to do something that we did last year that was a lot of fun. Uh, We're going to do predictions. We're going to pick there are a bunch of statistics and other questions that we've identified, and uh, we are going to uh, make our predictions as to who on Duke is going to lead the team in various categories and some other stuff like that. And guys, I'm trying to remember, gosh, I think I forgot who won the prediction battle last year. Who was the best predictor among the three of us? It definitely was not me. I know and that. It, and it almost was me, <laughs> but 
but it wasn't. Well, let's see. If it wasn't Donald and it wasn't Sam, gosh, it must have been Jason. Yes, it was. I was the victor. That's what it was. I was the victor last season. I plan to be the victor again this season. Um, We will kick things off with the easiest one. I bet all three of us are going to pick the same person. Donald, you go first. Who will be Duke's leading scorer this year? Grayson Allen. Sam? Grayson Allen. Yeah, it wasn't difficult. Um, I mean, I looked at Tatum and Kennard a little bit. I think they'll be two and three. But yeah, Grayson Allen will be Duke's leading scorer this season. Um, Sam, I'll let you start with leading rebounder. And I bet all three of us will have the same guy for this as well. I'm taking Emil Jefferson. Donald? Funny. I'm taking Emil Jefferson. Gosh, that makes it three for three. I'm also taking Emil Jefferson. Um, but I've got a quick question for you guys. Is this, are we talking total rebounds or rebounds per game? Total rebounds. All Last right, total year we re- did total, total rebounds, total points, total assists. Um, we didn't do uh, the averages. So I think that's okay, what we're be- this year. Okay. Although, that, that's- should we consider, consider doing it as averages and making sure that they're the averages by games you actually played, um, because I think we should let's let's add it, a category. Okay, let's add a category, uh, and th- I think this is a good category to add it in. Um, leading average rebound rebounds per game average. Yeah, I I'll go first. Some block shots might be the only ones where it really matters. Mm-hmm. I'll go first, and oh God, I'm so tempted to say Harry Giles. I really am. The leading rebounds per game. Would. We're adding rebounds per, rebounds game. per game. Okay. Yeah, we're adding rebounds per game, and just to be fun, I'm going to say Harry Giles. Donald? I'm still going Jefferson. Sam? Oh, it's, it's so tempting. I think I'm going to stick with Emil as well. Um, oh, y'all are, y'all are cowards. But, 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 <laughs> but I'm, I'm, tempted, to take, I'm take, tempted to take Marquise Bolton, though. So I'm just letting you guys know. Mm. Ooh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, we're now to assists. And it's my turn to go first with the picks. Um, by the way, I want to point out in our two exhibition games, we were led in assists by Frank Jackson and Emil Jefferson. But I'm going to pick Grayson Allen. Um, he's, I think he's going to play a lot of point guard this year um, as prep for, for the position he's going to play in the NBA. I think he's an NBA point guard. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm going with Grayson Allen. You got to pick who's ever, whoever's going next. You're in charge here, bro. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. So, Sam, go next. Um, I, I had to think about this one a little bit. I think that there are, you can pick Grayson Allen. That's a totally reasonable pick. Um, you can pick Matt Jones because for whatever reason, Coach K likes to have the ball in his hands. Um, and I'm going to ignore both of those and I'm going to take Frank Jackson. I think that in general, Jackson's going to carve out a role on this team. I don't know how long it's going to take for all the big men to be um, to be good, like Giles early in the season and whatever's wrong with Bolden or I, I don't know what it is. But um, I just, when, when I watched Frank Jackson this week, it seemed like he has, uh, he's, he's up to the appropriate speed for a freshman uh, and he plays a lot of good defense. He, he, looks, he looks really solid on defense. So I think he's going to get more minutes and because he's getting more minutes, he's going to end up with the ball in his hands more and um, he's going to get more assists. I like the rationale. Donald, your turn. That was, that was really good. I, I actually also went with Frank Jackson for similar reasons. My Different from your reasoning is I, I thought it was down to uh, Matt Jones and, and Frank Jackson. I went back and forth between the two of them. In the end, I'm looking at total assists, and I think that uh, while right now Frank Jackson is not our starter uh, at point guard, I think by the end of the season he will be. Um, I think right now, as you said, he might earn his points or earn his minutes. Uh, on the defensive end, um, where he actually won't get a lot of assists. I think it'll be where he's the benefit of uh, steals, um, where it's fast break transition, and he may not he may be uh, getting those points as opposed to those assists. Um, so in the end, I thought he's going to come on later on the season um, when we actually really need him the most, and I think that is why he's going to just be just eclipse uh, Matt Jones uh, for total assists. Interesting that you didn't even think that last year's leading assist guy is, is in contention. Uh, I thought about him as well. Um, but I, in the end, I thought that this is, a, this is a different team than it was last year. Um, and that that difference will be that uh, we'll be able to distribute the ball around a little bit more. Um, and Grayson Allen will be able to um, take more shots and, and assume more of the role of being the scorer. Okay. Well, I, I got to tell you, I... I'm surprised neither one of you went with Grayson Allen. I mean, we've, you've got a guy returning to the team who was the leading assist guy last year. Um, just like last year, we don't have – I mean, we 
We got less of a point guard this year than we did last year. Last year, we at least had Derek Thornton. Um, I'm really surprised. But hey, that's good for me because this is uh, yet another proof that I'm going to win this contest. Um, right. Moving on to block shots. And, and we're going to do total block shots and block shots per game um, to, to bring in the Harry Giles factor. Um, and so on total block shots, Donald, I'll let you go first. Mark Reese Bolden. Sam? Neil Jefferson. Uh, wow, those are the two guys that I wrestled with. And I'm going with Jefferson. Um, I think it's going to be really, really close. But I'm going to yeah. go with Emil Jefferson. Um, he was actually blocking shots fairly well last season before he got hurt. Um, and I think he's just going to play huge, huge minutes this year. Um, so now, block shots per game. Um, I will go first. And again, I'll go Harry Giles. I'm Sam? also going to take uh, oh. I'm also going to take Harry Giles. Make, Donald, a three, make a three for three. Giles. Three for three. We all think Harry Giles is going to be a shot block king this year. Yeah. As uh, soon as he comes back, I think that I think that is that is where he's going to step up uh, and be really really big for us. Until his knees. Explode. Yeah. And <laughs> don't don't even don't say ever, that. I think he gets minus one for that. Dude. All yeah. Right, exactly. Fine. You're penalized. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're in time. You're the you're the knee surgery. He's played a college basketball game. Give me a break. <laughs> Yeah, two minutes. <laughs> two minutes in the box. <laughs> right, right, right. I'll put um, myself on mute. You guys keep talking. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, actually, wait, wait. No, you will have to pick first in all remaining categories. All right. You fine. automatically go first. You get the disadvantage of not hearing our rationale. So, Sam, pick first on total steals. Steals leader. Frank Jackson. Um, I, I said before that defense is is going to be is going to be key for him, and that's going to be one of the ways that he manifests it. Very interesting pick. Um, I think you're wrong. It will be Grayson Allen. I think he, I'm pretty sure he led the team in steals last year. He will lead the team in steals yeah. again. Donald, your turn. So I wrestled back and forth between uh, Grayson Allen, Matt Jones, who I think I think last year was separated by two steals, um, and Frank Jackson. And in the end, I actually went with Matt Jones. Um, I think Matt Jones is going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a very close battle between those three. Uh, but I think in the end, I think a lot of the times with defense. Uh, a lot of these tipped balls will end up in Jones' hands, and that gives him the credit for the steal, and I think he's going to get just a few more than Grayson Allen. Uh, I, will, I will tell both of you that while I'm appreciative of your picks, um, there is no way uh, either Frank Jackson or Matt Jones will play enough minutes to have more steals than Grayson Allen, but your picks are already locked in. I'm going to win that category. Time for highest field goal percentage. Highest field goal percentage, and we're saying a minimum of 50 field goal attempts. So, uh, you know, if Brendan Bresser, uh, Brendan Bresser gets two out of three field goals, that does not count. So highest field goal percentage, Sam, as a penalty, you are still going first. Harry Giles. Donald? Emil Jefferson. Yeah, I think those were, the, those were the two useful picks. Yeah. That's really interesting because my pick is Marcus Bolden. Marcus wow, Bolden. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's going to do nothing but dunk all day. I predict that he won't take many shots other than slam dunks. Um, actually, if I'd been really smart, I would have taken Chase Jeter. Chase Jeter may take nothing but slam dunks all day, but, but I'm he, going Marquise. He, he actually might not have 50 attempts. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Could be close. Could be close. I, mean, I, I debated on that one with, with Giles if I thought, you know, because if, if he's going to miss so much of the season, then he won't get there. But as soon as he's in, he's going to get, you know, five to six opportunities a game at least. So he'll be, he'll be fine. But, but like with Jeter, I don't know that he'll get 50 attempts. I, I actually think you guys are probably right about Jefferson, um, but I, I, I suspect that Jefferson is going to come outside a little bit more, take a few more mid-range jump shots, um, you know, something he wants to show off to the NBA. Uh, but, I mean, Jefferson hit 68% of his field goals last year before he got hurt, so you guys um, may, have, you may have me on that one. And Jefferson has, Jefferson is all, not almost always, but but for a large portion of the minutes going to be standing next to a center um, like on his own team. So he's going to be forced to move outside a little bit just because there won't be space for him playing next to Giles or Bolden or Jeter. There you go. Yeah. All right. So we're on to highest field goal percentage and you must make, you must attempt, attempt a minimum of 23 point field goal. Per, I'm sorry. This is three point field goal attempts. Um, so who will have the highest three point field goal percentage? Sam. Grayson Allen. Donald. Well, since uh, uh, Plumley is no longer on the team with his 100%, um, I know Marshall he was. Marshall Plumley award. Uh, I don't know. He was, he was, he was less than 20 uh, three-point attempts last year. But uh, I'm actually going to go with Luke Kennard. I, I also went with Luke Kennard. Um, and by the way, 
uh, for a guy whose name has not been mentioned very much in, in any of this conversation, I think we will look back on the season and we will go, damn, Luke Kennard had a heck of a year. You guys remember um, uh, like early, mid last season, I said that Luke Kennard is going to be the next 2,000 point scorer at Duke, which is a really difficult thing to achieve. And you're, and you're um, totally still on track for that. I, yeah, exactly. I, I think I'm way on track for that. And I think he's going to um, uh, have a really... Uh, if Luke Kennard, I'll be surprised if Luke Kennard doesn't average about 14 points a game this year. I'm serious. Wow. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, mark it down. 14 points per game for Luke Kennard this season. Um, uh, uh, so the, uh, the last sort of statistical counting thing that we have for, Duke player, uh, for the Duke team, total wins. Total wins. Sam, how many games will Duke win this year? 37. Donald? I think he's looking at my piece of paper because I also went with 37. All right. Um, call me crazy. I'm going 38. Wow. The ACC is going to be really tough. We have a couple tough opponents. Um, I think, you know, pretty much to win 37, 38, you've almost got to win the national title. Uh, that's what I think Duke is going to do. I'm, I'm down for 38 total wins. Can I change my um, pick or no? Is it, I'm locked in. What do you want to change it to? 36. No. <laughs> you cannot I revise think, it down. I, I was like, right before I said it, I was thinking, I, I have 30, I, I wrote some notes out before we started and I wrote 37. And now I'm like, man, I really should have picked like 35 or 36. And I thought it right before I said 37 too. I was like, it, it, because the implication of 37. So you can, I think you can play a maximum of 40. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Yes. So if you, if you win, um, if you win your conference title and the national championship and you only lose three games, like if Duke only loses three games in conference, that's going to be awesome, right? So you're no, assuming that... No, you're wrong about that. This Duke team is going to be ridiculous come January, I, I, February. I, They're going to be ridiculous. I admire your optimism. I want to see the team as a whole. Um, and, and I just don't know how all the pieces fit together yet. Um, Maybe and maybe maybe my tune will change in mid December. You know when they're when everybody's healthy and they're and they're just crushing people and and it's great. Um, but I I'm, ugh, I don't know. Sorry, keep going. I'm uh, I, I am telling you, our our ninth man, our ninth man would start for virtually any team in the country. I don't even know who our ninth man is. Probably Javon Delorier, and I don't think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Our ninth man is going to be like Frank Jackson. Actually, wait, wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was uh, I, our, our, our eighth man, our eighth man would start for any team in the country, I think. For many of them, yes. Um, but, but that doesn't guarantee the wins. Um, we're we're so. we're ridiculous. We are ridiculously good. Okay. My unofficial answer for this is thirty six. My official answer is thirty seven. Donald, <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you. Do you think we should allow him to do thirty six? He can do thirty six because that means I when we do make thirty seven, then I win. <laughs> yeah. It's right. horrible okay. rooting for the under, right? <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> Worst thing. This is not a closest. This is not, if we win thirty five, we no, all. No, I know, I know. I'm aware. I'm aware. This is okay. definitely this is definitely reeks of 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 Sam basically doing the. Um, one the price is right. The one dollar. The price is right. right. Yeah. Yes. Or like, oh, oh, you will have fifty. You will have twelve wins. Five fifty-one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so we, you talked about Sam. You were talking about how how hard it'll be to to only lose three games in the ACC this year. So that brings us to our next question. Our next prediction: How many ACC teams will make the NCAA tournament? Sam, how many ACC teams will be playing in the NCAA tournament? Nine. Donald? I went with eight. I also went with nine. Um, there's some folks saying it could be ten. Uh, I just think... I, I don't think... Just... Did, the, did the Big East ever, when they were 16, get ten teams in the tournament? It just seems like, at a certain point, you have to like self-sacrifice. They and, did get ten I, one year. Um, they did? We, the ACC... There was one time the ACC had nine teams, I believe. Or they had seven out of nine. They basically had the highest right. percentage. Um, there was yeah. a year they had seven out of nine that was seven absurd. Seven out of nine made the tournament. <laughs> um, but the Big East, when they had like twenty teams, they had but ten in, made the tournament. In the years when in the years when the ACC only had nine teams, you played fewer conference games um, and had more opportunities to 
prove yourself outside the conference. So you could end up with a losing record in the conference um, and still be considered really good. I think it's much harder to do that now. And, and you know, if nine teams make it, presumably like one of them will have a losing conference record, um, but they'll still have opportunities to beat good teams uh, without, without having to sacrifice themselves to Boston College too much. Um, so uh, okay. I, th- I, think that, I think that nine's the, the reasonable maximum you could expect. Yeah, well, that's that's where we went, and but there's some folks saying it could be ten. Um, I mean, they expect the ACC is going to be really, really good this year, which which is why when Duke goes fifteen and one in the ACC or something like that. <laughs> actually, wait, do we play? Do we play eighteen? I think we play eighteen games. 18 play eighteen games. games. Sorry, seventeen, 17 and, one and one. Seventeen and one. Mark it down, gentlemen. Seventeen and one <laughs> in the ACC this year. In fact, I said thirty-eight. I should probably revise my win total to thirty-nine, but I'm yeah. not. Um, yeah, I'm a little crazy. Okay, so. Next question. Sam, how many times will Duke reach the century mark? How many times will Duke break 100 points in, a single, in single games this year? Sam, before you answer, Sam, before you say, answer. Yeah, well, are we, I already answered it. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> is this including like, the entire year, including postseason or just regular season? Whole season. Whole season, All season including postseason. Not including preseason. <laughs> right. right. Uh, what did you say, Sam? Three? Three. Donald? Ten. D- d- wait, did you say Ten. 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 You know that you know that we're not we're not going by reverse prices right rules, right? <laughs> wait, let me let me rephrase. Ten. All right, Ten. Fine. All right. So wait, I'm gonna drop some knowledge on y'all. You ready for this? Last year we we hit the century mark three times. We did two the year before, then one, then zero, then one. Um in 2010-11 we did it twice. In 2009-10 which is when we won a national title. We did it four times. I looked back. The most times I can find that Duke reached 100 points was 1999. You guys remember the juggernaut of 1999. We reached the century mark nine times that year. Oh, my gosh. Um, We were absurd. So I'm going to say seven. Wow. I I can't – I thought thought seven was huge. I thought seven was ridiculous. Ten. So I figured I figured two of those are going to be in the tournament. So I think said eight during the regular season. I figured two in, in the uh, in the postseason sometime. Ten. Damn. Ten. Wow. I really hope I'm right on that too. That would be. Oh, oh I man. do too. That would be a lot of fun. I would strut. I would strut around if I get this well, one right. Uh, would, you rather, would you rather? Would you rather? you be right about that or Jason be right about thirty-eight? Uh, thirty-eight means we won a national championship, so I'd be fine with him being right thirty-eight. I don't know. Kentucky went thirty-nine and. Well, thirty-eight and one, right? So, yeah, never know. Well, we're not. Hey, that's that. a fun, that's a fun game that the people can play. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and our last prediction question: um, we're we're all predicting that Duke makes the Final Four. Who are the other three teams that will join them? Sam, you're up first. Uh, I've got Kentucky, who everyone knows Boo. is really good. Boo! I hate you. I've got Virginia, who finally breaks through, um, and I have Oregon, who. Uh, was very strong last year and returns most of their team. Donald? I think throughout the season, it somehow averages out. Um, and I think it's going to be Duke. I think Kansas. I think UVA as well. I think UVA beats Kentucky in the tournament. And my surprise, or not really a surprise, but you know, kind of make it uh, interesting, Louisville. Wow, you got three ACC teams. Three ACC teams. Yeah, those are those are good picks, though. They are, and I I uh, I can't believe. It. I mean, uh, my picks are just not that original after hearing you guys. I, I've got Kansas. I think Kansas is going to be really, really good this year. Really good. Um, I've got Oregon. Uh, I, I love teams that return that almost made the Final Four. You know, they made the Final Eight, and they. Uh, they um they returned uh, you know the vast vast majority of that team, and they they add a nice player in Dylan Ennis. Um, and then I've got Virginia as my third team. Did all three of us pick Virginia? Seems yeah. like it. They're not going to make the Final Four. Yeah, what are we doing? At least none of us fell into the trap of picking Michigan State. Yeah, Which means they're go. probably going to make it. That's so I've got, I got Kansas no, or Oregon. No dudes left. All their dudes are hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, the, the, the preseason and predictions and such behind us, we are now going to turn to the regular season. It is here. It is upon us. And 
Sam, you drew the short straw. I, I know you have done a little bit of previewing, of looking at our first two opponents ne- coming up next weekend, Marist and Grand Cayman. <laughs> Grand Cayman. Grand Ca- <laughs> hey, road trip, guys. Let's go to the Grand Caymans. Yes. Uh, Grand Canyon. Marist and Grand Canyon. That's kind of Grand Cayman. We should call them Grand Cayman. That's kind of fun. Um, yeah, so here we go. It's uh, so this weekend, Duke plays Friday and Saturday. Um, it's the Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off, um, and it happens all at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So Friday night, they're playing the Marist Red Foxes. I'm going to sprinkle in here um, some trivia for you guys and see if you know anything about these schools. Um, so the Marist Red Foxes, does anybody know what town they are from? I didn't even no. know they were the Red Foxes. They're, they're from... The, uh, oh, yeah, I should have asked that. <laughs> take, take a swing. Are they from uh, Syracuse? They're, uh, you know what? You're in the right state. They're from Poughkeepsie, New York. New York. I knew they're from New York. I knew so I, the background of that is um, we were supposed to play Albany, but Albany is a public school, public, a state school right, that right, right. was forbidden from traveling to North Carolina because of the HB2 rule, which is what we right. discussed a few weeks ago. Oh, yes, yes, yes. All right. They play in the Metro, Athletic, Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, the MAC. Um, their head coach is Mike Maker. Um, and uh, do you guys know who the uh, highest draft pick from Marist was in the NBA draft? Oh, he was a really tall guy. He, uh, he was like 7'3". Yes, he was. Mark Eaton? Um, uh, no, like Rick Smith. Yeah, very, just, no, very short um, name. Louis Blob or something. I don't remember. Rick Smith. Rick Sm- it was oh, Rick Smith. Okay. Yes. Yes. He played a long time in the NBA. He was pretty, pretty I mean, good. Hey, I'm impressed. That was pretty good on my part. That was good. That was good. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't remember Rick Smith being in college because I like am only vaguely aware of his NBA career. Yeah, so yeah. Well, I was uh, born, and he, I think he had just got drafted in the NBA uh, with yeah. the Pacers. Uh, so yeah, so, I, I don't uh, remember him from college. I, I just remember seeing Marist on his stuff when it came up every now and then. So they, the uh, so, so the, the Marist team here this year uh, returns six of their uh, seven top scorers from last season. So they basically have the whole team back. Um, but they went seven and twenty-three. Uh, here, here were the teams they beat: Dartmouth, Manhattan, Army, Brown, Siena, Ryder, and Quinnipiac. Um, they didn't play a single game against a power conference team. Um, and I was trying to be liberal in in including power conference teams. Um, they went four and sixteen in the MAC, and uh, their their three returning top players, by my estimation, are uh, senior guard Khalid Hart. Um, who averaged 20 points a game last season. So um, I think if you want to talk about early indicators of which player on this team Coach K trusts the most on defense, see who's guarding uh, Khalid Hart. And then the second most important defender on this team is going to be guarding Brian Parker, who's a 6'2 sophomore. Uh, and he averaged almost 16 points a game last season. Um, there and, and Brian Parker, just as an example of, of this team not being very good, um, Brian Parker at 6'2 was the, is the returning leading rebounder from last year and he averaged five rebounds a game at six foot two. Um, and then they, um, they have a six, six guard uh, from Iceland named Kristen Paulson. And um, he apparently can also rebound, but, but like looking over this team, um, th- there ain't a lot here. They, uh, they lost a lot of games last year to a lot of, a lot of mediocre opponents. Uh, they obviously didn't make the postseason. And, you know, as it comes to Duke trying to schedule, you know, good teams from bad conferences, obviously the, the whole politics of, of the state of North Carolina gets into this a bit, but um, I don't think this is a team that <laughs> Coach K wanted to be playing, but here we are. And uh, if you think that, that Maris is going to come any closer than Virginia State and Augustana did, um, then uh, you, have, you have a lot of uh, confidence in head coach Mike Maker. So that's what I got to say about the Marist Red Foxes. Any questions? No. Uh, wonderful. No, Let's tell us about on. Grand Canyon. But wait, before you tell us about Grand Canyon... Um, did did you see that Grand Canyon had a nail biter of a exhibition victory the other day? I did. Um, I did, and I had. I I don't think I wrote the exact quote. Um, but there. So we'll we'll start. Um, we'll start by asking you. Do you know who the head coach of Grand Canyon is? No idea. He's he's also a white person who played in the NBA. Um, I'll go Dan Marley. Marley I, I, Dan, Marley Dan Marley. Right, yeah. yeah. My man. Um, oh, Thunder, really? Thunder Dan cool. Marley in his fourth season as the head coach of the Grand Canyon Antelopes. Um, product, or colloquially uh, just Products of Central Michigan. There you go. Um, so he's uh, he's actually been pretty good there. They're, uh, 
particularly the they last were good year, last they, year. Yeah, they, they were good. Uh, he, he's fifty nine and thirty seven overall, and as the head coach at Grand Canyon, and he is their first coach um, with them being a, a Division one school. So there was there was some controversy um, allowing Grand Canyon into Division one. I. I don't know if you guys remember this from a few years ago uh, because they're a for profit uh, research university, um, and they were. So they've, they've gone through a couple different um, sort of incarnations as a school, but most recently um, they were purchased by a company called Grand Canyon Education Incorporated in 2004. Um, and they're now a for-profit university, which is pretty rare among Division One. I. I think they might be the only ones. So, um, so it's a little, little strange that they're in Division One to begin with, but that being said, um, as I said, they, they had a really good season last year. This is gonna be their last season um, being ineligible for postseason play, which is, I guess, the penalty when you when you move up to Division One. Um, they uh, so they weren't they were allowed to play in the CIT tournament the last couple of years, which they did, and they did pretty well last year. They made it to the quarterfinals, but um, they haven't been allowed to play in their uh, conference um, conference tournament yet. So they and and, and, and I believe they will be this year, but they will next year. I was going to say, they're, they're in the WAC. I mean, it's not like they're in a horrid conference. No. Um, and they, the WAC is and they that went 11-3. They went 11-3 in conference last year and came in second place. So that's pretty yeah. good. And they won 27 games. They'll be good for our RPI, as if the RPI actually means anything. No, but I was going to ask you, uh, so they, I saw the other day that they played, they had an 88-83 to exhibition victory over Adams State. I've and never, do you know I where mean, Adams State is? Uh, it's in the state of Adams, know. I guess. Is it in I don't Massachusetts? know. I don't know, actually. Colorado. I, Massachusetts is, Massachusetts it's is Colorado. great. Is it, oh, it's in, oh, it is. You know what? I knew that. It's in Adams County. I'm, I apologize to uh, the at least uh, three people in Colorado that I know who listen to the podcast that I didn't know that Adams State was here. It, they're in Alamosa, Colorado. Yeah. A lovely place, actually. You should, you should go visit there. It's right by the uh, Great Sand Dunes National Park. Uh, really, really pretty country down there. Well, um, okay. Anyway, that's nice. So they, they, beat, they beat Adam State eighty-three. <laughs> Coach Marley had some. Coach Marley had some pretty strong words for his team in the press after the game. Um, so he, he's not happy with their effort so far. Hopefully, they can turn it up when they travel all the way from Phoenix to Durham um, to play the number one ranked preseason team. Um, and and like so, similarly to Marist, they return a lot of their a lot of their best players. Um, they do lose one uh, very prominent player who was their second leading scorer whose name was Grandy Glaze. Um, he won an award that I did not know existed until I did my research this morning. Um, and that was the Riley Wallace Award, which is uh, awarded to the top transfer in Division One. Um, it's only been awarded for two years. So, you know, if you if you think that like Seth Curry was 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 not uh, awarded appropriately for being the top transfer in Division One a few years ago, it's because he wasn't eligible because it didn't exist yet. Um, so Grandy Glaze is now playing in the D League. He's playing for the 76ers um, uh, affiliate, and he averaged uh, 14 and 14 points and almost nine rebounds last year for them. Um, so he was pretty good. They uh, they do return their their leading scorer, who's Jordan Braun. He's a he's a guard. Uh, he's six foot four and weighs 220 pounds, so he's kind of beefy. Um, and he averages five rebounds a game. So there you go. And he was uh, first team All Back last season. Um, so look for look for Josh Braun to be kind of the the focal point of that team. The rest of the team doesn't score that well. Um, their next leading scorer coming back from last year is Dwayne Russell, and he only averaged nine point seven points last year. He's the he's the point guard on the team, and uh, he stands he stands at a stat five eleven one fifty five. Um, so uh, poor kid might get eaten alive. But um, but unlike unlike Marist, um, this team, as we pointed out, is actually pretty good. Um, so I not that I don't not that I think that they're going to beat Duke. But um, that they are going to have a sort of interesting game with them. I'm I'm curious to see the way Duke uh, covers a a big um, lead guard in, in Josh Braun. Not that I think that we're going to lose again. Um, but they return they return five of their uh, top six minutes getters from last year. Um, they they only lost like I said they only lost Glaze was the most important guy they lost. The only other uh, notable loss is Dominic McKee who transferred to Southern Miss, uh, and he was he was a pretty bad shooter, but he did get a lot of minutes. So, um, so in summary, um, Duke is going to beat two overmatched opponents this weekend. One of them is actually good and, and reasonably, if they were eligible, could make the NCAA tournament this year, um, returning most of the team uh, that, that came in second place in the WAC. Um, Any questions and, on Grand Canyon? 
Well, uh, if Duke doesn't score 100 points against Grand Canyon, I think Donald's prediction of 10 100-point games will be in trouble. I'll just say that. Well, that was I, – I mean, when you're looking at these two games, you know, you start off with – we have we're getting Jason Tatum back for the for the first game, so you know you kind of see how he gels into this offense, uh, and you kind of see him for the first time uh, as a part of this offense. But also the fact is, we start off this game, we start off the season as we have the last I guess decade or so, where we have back to back games within 24 hours of each other. Um, it's always the second game that's always the one question mark of how you guys re- how do you guys rebound. Uh, from playing the night before and within 24 hours they're playing again. I know they're two overmatched teams, but that was I, I was definitely considering that when I was going for do we score 100 points in these games uh, because that second uh, you know game of a back-to-back uh, is always the one that, that trips up the team. It may not be where uh, it's going to be close in the, in, in the margin of uh, victory, but it, it's going to be close in like how, do they, how does their body react to – uh, going for you know hard for forty minutes uh, against an opponent, and then mentally coming right back uh, the very next morning in preparing for another opponent. So uh, that was definitely taken into consideration. So, 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 so Donald, you're saying you expect us to score hundred points ten times this year, but you don't expect us to score hundred points against Grand Canyon I, Antelopes. I didn't. I did not say that. I said I considered that, <laughs> um, and I said, and I think we're going to get hundred in both of them. Okay. Well, we look forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. And, of course, those two games are, are just an appetizer, so to speak, uh, before Duke plays Kansas. But there will be a podcast between now and then. So we will preview Kansas um, a little bit later on. We will have the Marist and Grand Canyon games under our belts um, before we look ahead to Kansas. Um, and, we gentlemen, even, I think we we're going to put— We might even get to watch film on Kansas before we preview them. Because I, I will— I will apologize that I did not get to break down any any game tape from uh, Marist or Grand Canyon before this morning. You you are forgiven. Thank you. Yeah, because I didn't I, either. I, so <laughs> I didn't. I don't know where to find out. I don't know if YouTube has those things. It took a fair amount of googling to figure out uh, why they didn't play in the NCAA tournament. So I, I, I did that. Good man. I like that. Yeah. Um. By the way, uh, you know. While, while we're warming up for that Kansas game with, um, with two patsies, Kansas actually plays a real team. Kansas is playing Indiana um, in just a few days. In how? Uh, that's in the, like, the actual tip-off like, headliner yeah. weekend? Yeah. Yeah, on that's Friday. Cool. They, play, they play Indiana on Friday. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's big. That, we'll definitely be watching that. We'll have well, something to say about, about Kansas. They play Indiana in Honolulu, and then they have to fly all the way back across the country to New York. Uh, for the game on Tuesday. So that is, that is a big test for them. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's several days. It's, it's not like rough. Yeah, but I mean, that's still, that's still, you know, that, I mean, if you think about it, you got freshmen who have probably never traveled that far uh, in, in a given time. So that's always a question mark. It's always something that you have to kind of take into consideration. I know they probably did when they, made the, when they signed up to be a part of this uh, uh, classic. Yeah, so my bet is they'll, they'll fly back to Kansas um, I bet they fly back to Kansas after the Indiana game. They won't even spend the night in Hawaii, my bet. Um, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, well, I guess they eye. might. They'll probably take the yeah. red eye. Yeah, and they'll, and they'll get back and they'll, they'll rest, you know, all day Saturday and, you know, maybe take a day off. And then on Sunday, um, Sunday, Monday, they'll, they'll do some walkthroughs before going out on Tuesday for hard. the big game. Anyway. I bet it's hard to find a commercial flight from Honolulu to Kansas City. That's just me, though. Um, the Kansas Jayhawks are, are they flying. They are flying on their own plane. I'm aware They're of flying that. Flying a <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we, are, we are putting basketball aside for a moment, and we're just going to briefly – we want to talk a little bit about football. Um, tough, tough game for Duke yesterday uh, against Virginia Tech. Um, uh, a blocked field goal that got returned for a touchdown turned into a 10-point swing. Um, absolutely killer. Uh, it, it just felt like, uh, it, you know, this whole season feels like one of those seasons where, uh, you know, you're an inch away from, like, five more wins. Um, I swear, th- this uh, we could absolutely, we could have six wins already without too much being different in any of our games. It's just one of those years where it feels like every close play um, we've just come up a little tiny bit short. 
And yesterday against Virginia Tech was no different um, as, as we lose to them by three in a game that, God, just could have gone either way. And it just shows we can play with anybody or we can play with just about anybody. Um, but, Donald, I, l- let me turn it to you. Give me some thoughts on, on football. Uh, I just think over these last three weeks, it's been really frustrating. You could see that the guys are, like you said, they're right there. Um, you know, against Louisville, a couple plays go our way or a couple calls go our way. We, we have a chance to win that ball game. You know, against Georgia Tech, we lost by three. A couple of uh, inches here and there, we have a chance to win that ball game. And then last night, we had a couple of plays that, you know, if they had gone the right way, we would have won the ball game. Um, or if we, you know, if, if we make that kick, they don't have seven points on the board. We have an extra three. There's your ball game right there. So I, I think that that's got to be frustrating on the guys. But it, you can see that it's not uh, curtailing their 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 effort that they put out. You're not, I'm not sitting here watching games saying they've given up because the, for these last three weeks, even though they've lost all three, they have not given up in any one of those games. So I think that's some, there's something to be said about that. And, but right now you're looking at a, a team that's three and six. We have three games left. We, we host UNC on Thursday night. We're then, we then are at Pitt and at Miami to close out the season. Um, and we need to win all three to become bowl eligible. So, um, Tall, ta- tall task for us to do, especially uh, with UNC playing so well um, and Pitt and Miami, notably tough uh, uh, places to play uh, at home. So um, I think this is where we see, you know, UNC is the, is the, is the, is the game. Um, the entire season is on the line on Thursday, whether uh, they have a chance to play in the postseason or not um, will all depend on how they, how they do against the Tar Heels. Yeah, and, and I'll say that I'm, I'm worried about that game. Um, I, I know we've played some really potent offensive teams, uh, Louisville being the most obvious one, uh, and, and we were able to, to keep them down. Uh, you know, defense, I actually think the defense has done a pretty nice job much of the year. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm worried about the Carolina offense. Uh, Elijah Hood is a, a heck of a running back, and Mitch Trubisky, uh, the Carolina quarterback, um, have you guys noticed he's – Absolutely being touted as a first-round draft pick in the upcoming NFL draft. And totally um, in fact, reasonably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. In fact, um, Mel Kuyper, uh, Deshaun Kaiser of Notre Dame, and um, uh, uh, oh my God, I blanked on his name. Clemson quarterback. Someone help me. John Watson. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Watson. Oh my God. Ugh. He heard it anyway, Ka- yesterday. I hope he's okay. Kaiser and Watson. Um, most people say are the are the top quarterbacks. Um, Mel Kuyper has been starting to say that Mitch Trubisky um, is his number one quarterback on his board. Um, so I, I'm very worried that Carolina um, could could hang a pretty big number on us. You know, they're averaging more than 34 points per game. Um, they have a really, really potent offense. Um, it, it feels like we can never cover, uh, what's his name, Switzer, the running back who, I'm sorry, the, the wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Ryan Switzer, who, who also returns kicks for them and um, it just feels like he's been there for nine years, hasn't he? Something I mean, he's like, like that. God, he's, he's there. He's there, Jamison Crowder, and I believe he wears the same number. So yeah. yeah. Oh God. So I'm I'm terrified of this game. Um, our, our defense is going to have to be uh, have to turn in one of their best efforts of the year. I think. Um, uh, Sam, what do you think? Well, I, so Duke's been such a weird team this year. We lost to Wake Forest by the same score that we lost to Louisville by. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can't exactly figure out and then and then we lost to Virginia Tech by less, right? Um, we we played better against Virginia Tech than we did against Wake Forest. I think that the team is actually getting better, um, despite the fact that we've we've now lost, I think, three games in a row. Um, that you can see the improvement, especially on the offensive side. Um, Daniel Jones looks a lot a lot more poised um, under center, or I guess in the shotgun, because that's usually where he is. Um, he he's able to run the ball really well for a guy who's pretty big. And I think the thing that really stinks for the offense is that the running backs are all hurt now. Uh, and, and we don't know. Um, we don't yeah. we, we know that Duncan's, we know that Duncan's done for the season. Um, and Sean Wilson hurt his foot the other day. Um, and so concussion I, protocol. I mean, Sean, Sean Wilson is absolutely going to be under concussion protocol yeah. after, so, after that hit. So that, that's going to be really tough. I mean, Jones can, Jones can run, but I don't know that you want him handling the whole load and it's a short turnaround. So, um, so it's going to be weird to see, how they how they uh, figure out how to you know put the offense together after that. I think you're going to see some guys playing running back who weren't playing running back the rest of the season or who just hadn't gotten any touches yet. Um, that being said, UNC UNC is probably the best team left on our schedule. 
and and they're really strong. And and I know that they were the uh, UNC faithful were had finished their game uh, on Saturday and flipped over to the Duke game because they were rooting for the Blue Devils to come back uh, and win that game because they were tied with Virginia Tech or they're now tied with Virginia Tech at the top of the Coastal Division. So um, they have a lot to play for. Um, and, and, as you said, and and by the way, Virginia Tech has the tiebreaker because Virginia Tech absolutely destroyed Carolina earlier this right. year, mm-hmm. um, right. which which you would think would bode well for Duke. I mean, we just played basically an even game. You may argue that we were a little bit better than Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech walked all over Carolina. But two weeks ago, we we lost to Georgia Tech. We played a really really close game with Georgia Tech, and Carolina just destroyed Georgia Tech yesterday, beat them by like 25 or something like that. So. This, is, this is coastal football. Um, if, you haven't, if you haven't been watching the last few years, this is what yeah, the coastal exactly. division is like. Um, yep. It's just kind of all over the place. And, and Duke at this point is, it, it's weird because we're un, we haven't won a game in conference yet, despite being competitive in, in almost all of it. Um, the Virginia game was kind of, was kind of crummy. But, but otherwise... Um, Duke looked really good against Virginia Tech. With the, the we lost by three points, and there was a ten point swing in the game when the when the field goal was blocked and returned for a touchdown. So I, I think it's totally reasonable to say that Duke outplayed Virginia Tech, even in Wallace Wade Stadium, which you could have been calling Brooks Field at Lane Stadium yesterday, um, given how many Virginia Tech fans were there, as they as they always are. Um, so I just hope that, that this Thursday we don't see a repeat performance from a couple of years ago when we played UNC at Wallace Wade on Thursday night, because that was, that was, that was awful. That yeah. was awful. Um, how, but, uh, how on earth, how is it that our two least competitive ACC games were Wake and Virginia? How, how did that happen? Not clear. How, how um, are we better against Louisville, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech than we have been against Wake and Virginia? Ugh. I mean, that, that's been a frustrating year. I'm telling you that this team is getting better. Um, we, it's just harder to tell because the, because the opponents are also getting better. Right. Um, yeah. So, so to the to the casual observer, you might not realize it, um, and and that's just that's just kind of the the sad truth of this season. I hope that I you know Duke Duke may be able to win out two of their final game. I don't think we're going to be able to win all three, but you could reasonably see Duke winning two more games, being five and seven, and then <laughs> getting to play in a bowl game because they had a, a high APR or whatever it is that mm-hmm. allows five and seven teams to play in bowl games. Um, I, I think I'd feel pretty weird about it if, if that did happen, but um, but it's certainly it's certainly not unreasonable. And I think that Coach Cutcliffe has said the last few years that the best thing about playing in the bowl games is getting those extra few weeks of practice because you can start you know sort of prepping the team for the next year. Um, and and this will be the first you know if Duke misses the bowl season this year, which it's not unreasonable to say is going to happen, um, it's going to be the first year in, in five years that that they haven't gotten to get that extra practice. So we'll see how that, we'll see how that plays out for them. You know, the, the season isn't over yet, but I want to reflect with you guys on one thing. If I told you at the start of the year, um, uh, look, a lot of people were skeptical about this season because they said Duke had a tougher schedule than we have had in, in the past few years. And I think that's absolutely true. Um, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a tough schedule for us this year. Um, if I told you that we were going to lose our top offensive player, Thomas Sirk, if I told you that we were also going to lose Arguably our second best offensive player, our leading returning rusher in Jella Duncan. If I told you we were going to lose our best return guy, the best return guy in the country, and our best defensive player in Devon Edwards. I mean, think about the guys we've lost to injury this year, that we've been as competitive as we have been against really high-quality teams. Um, you know, it's a testament to, to Cutcliffe's coaching. It's a testament to his recruiting and to the effort that these guys put in. I know three and six is not what we'd hoped, and... Um, you know, it's not like three and nine is impossible to see happening. Um, I, I hope and expect that we will win, you know, one, maybe two of these remaining games. I'd really like us to. There, there are three very difficult games, two of them on the road. Um, but uh, even if it ends up three and nine, this team, this was not a bad Duke team. This was not the kind of Duke team that, um, you know, we've seen in the past that, that really struggled. Um, and I think it'd be great if they could find their way to make it to a bowl game. It would be a wonderful, wonderful reward for them. Um, they, they haven't gotten what they deserve this season. So we're going to move on to our parting shots. Donald, I will start with you. What do you want to leave the fans with as we say goodbye to the preseason? Well, so Friday night, as you guys know, is the start of the basketball season. Um, but for me, it is also the start of a journey uh, in the soccer world. 
the hexagonal World Cup qualifying process begins in Columbus, and I will be there because it's the biggest rivalry in North America, USA versus Mexico. Mexico. We, we are going to Columbus. It's the one time this Michigan man is happy to go to Columbus uh, to represent our country. If you are going to be there, look for me. I will be with the American Outlaws all, all Thursday, all Friday. Um, I, I actually am going to try and get a TV in the bar to watch the uh, football game. Uh, and then I will definitely have my phone on uh, to get for scores for the basketball game as well. But USA, Mexico, and Columbus, if you go to one soccer game, this is the one. So hopefully, if you are a soccer fan and you are going to be at Columbus, I will hopefully see you at the party. Yeah, we need a, a big result there. It would be great. I mean, get, get a win against Mexico. Get the hex started right. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big USA soccer fan. Not one-tenth as big as you, Donald, but uh, I'm glad you gave, gave folks that reminder of that. Uh, of that uh, a very important game that is coming up, and uh, we hate we hate El Tri, don't we? Oh yeah, and and but Jason, next time you you have a game, you have a couple games coming to you in Atlanta. Uh, we're gonna have to go catch a match. Oh, I look forward to it. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Sam, it's your turn. What is your parting shot, sir? Um, I didn't have anything. You didn't I, have yeah, any. I, I, I came up with. I came up with one. Um, just to note that it was really cool to watch the Cubs play the Indians in the World Series. Um, I'm a. I, I've stated before. I'm a big baseball fan. So. Um, that wow. Was, so wait. Did did both of you stay up until like 3 a.m.? Could you not fall asleep after Game Seven? No, I'm not. I, I, I fell asleep I, at 4 a.m. that night. I live in Mountain Time, so um, it was. I mean, I, <laughs> it, I. I say that I wake up really early in the morning. Um, so it was still kind of a pain. I, I went over uh, to watch the game with some friends. And, uh, yeah, I didn't feel great on Thursday morning after the game. And I, I didn't even necessarily have a rooting interest in it. I was just, you know, watching it. But, but playoff baseball is, like, the most stressful thing I think you can watch on television. And, and that's going to uh, rank up there as one of the better, if not the oh best. Oh, my God. That that's maybe games. the best game <laughs> seven I've ever seen. Baseball that's, games. Yeah. Not, not, not like game sevens or anything. Like, just baseball games. That was, like, I – I grew up in Detroit. I hate Cleveland sports. I hate Chicago sports. And those two cities had a team that were trying to get rid of a long drought in the World Series in a Game 7. And I was standing watching for the last, like, two and a half hours of that game. I was standing two inches in front of my TV just screaming at every single pitch. It was riveting stuff. Yeah. No, it, it, it was really great. So uh, congratulations to the Cubs. Um, sounds like they had a uh, pretty awesome parade also on Friday. Yeah, uh, uh, it was the seventh know. largest gathering of humans ever in history. That's, that's Are awesome. You serious? Yeah, seventh I saw something of humans ever. Over they, five they million. Had, they had like five million people. Five million people at the parade. That is crazy. Pretty yes. Pretty good. Wow, that's really cool. That is very cool. Well, my parting shot is a very simple and very obvious one, which is um, as of this moment right now. There are 351 different teams that have the exact same dream. There are 351 teams in college basketball, and they are all undefeated. Um, and we're about to embark on, uh, I guess it's a, what is it, a five-month or so odyssey, um, five- to six-month odyssey that will, will leave us with only one team standing atop the mountain. Um, and it's a beautiful moment. It's something I, I enjoy every single season. Um, I've been a college basketball fan my whole life. I can't even remember how young I was when I started watching this game. Uh, and, and it begins again. Um, and, and I'm just really excited for it to get started, probably because I think that we're the best team we've been in um, a decade and a half or so. So <laughs> I really think this is going to be a good Duke team. One I can't my, wait. One of my favorite things, speaking of, of everyone being unbeaten, one of my favorite things about college basketball season is uh, Ken Pomeroy on Twitter counting down as every team gets beaten for the first time. Um, so there will be a flurry of it starting uh, this weekend when, you know, half the teams are going to lose their first games. So yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and it won't be as much fun from that moment on. But by the way, speaking of Ken Pomeroy, like everyone else, he has Duke atop his rankings. Um, we are the preseason number one in every poll there is out there. Um, we bring a truly, truly unique mix of um, unbelievably talented freshmen and really, really talented, experienced upperclassmen. Um, it, it's a combination that doesn't happen much in this game anymore. Uh, 38, guys, mark it down. 38, maybe even 39. This team is going to win a ton, ton, ton of games. Y'all got anything else? No, I'm, uh, 
I, I would have also added that I'm just excited that we're still doing the show and, and getting to do another season of this because uh, it's a lot of fun and glad to have you glad to have you guys uh, on board with me. I mean, this is episode 60 and that all, all that means in my mind is we have 60 podcast episodes of worth of experience and we're just going to get more just like just like Coach Cut says, we get more practice, we go to a bowl game, right? We have another basketball season, so right. we're going to get more go. practice of this. Perfect. Way to, way, to, way to tie that. Yeah. Well, it it uh, it, it all begins in just a few days. Uh, uh, let's get the ball in the air. Let's get it tipped. Let's get it started. Folks, we'll be back with you next weekend after Duke has played a couple games. Until then, it is time for the Duke Band to take us home. <laughs>